get on the Hello and welcome to Pudding Ain't Easy Hawkeye Review, Episode 3, Echoes. I'm your host, Carl, and with me today, as always, it's the plunger arrow to my exploding <laughs> arrow. It's Scott <laughs> McLeod, everybody. Uh, you, you make your jokes, Carl, but when you need to do a dramatic die off a bridge and then land safely on a moving train, you won't be laughing when you, <laughs> when you need me. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> and how are you, Scott? Are you doing well? Yeah, I did well, you know, uh, you and I were discussing this before we started going, but you know, you got Christmas and everything, you know, coming up, everybody's you know, fairly busy, but, you know, I, I like, you know, having this uh, show we talk about and, like, it's getting closer to Christmas and, uh, like, like we were talking about before we started, a lot happened, this, this is like one part origin story, one part elongated uh, action scene. Yeah, it's... Uh... I'm going to admit to the listeners now, I've, I've got copious notes um, because, yeah, a lot does happen in this episode. So I'll try not to lose track and I'll try and keep it as brief as I possibly can. But I, know, uh, I mean, I mean, I thought when he told me he had four pages, and I thought, is this, is this secretly Sam on the other end? Is he kidnapped Carl and is using his skate? <laughs> All they notes. No, they have one page of a couple of bullet points, but I enjoyed this episode so much I watched it again and just started scribbling stuff down that I thought was important and, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, didn't, didn't stop. <laughs> yeah, it's better to be prepared, you know. Try to be, try to be. We, we try to be professional here, but not that, <laughs> it, not that it probably comes across very often. But yeah. um, You will be the most professional podcast Named after a catchphrase of a pimp that's there's ever been. <laughs> no, no problems there. <laughs> but uh, it, it was a it was a kayfabe pimp though. Not 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 re- not yeah, real. Sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't know he did cover the strip club in real life. <laughs> but never mind. Never mind. <laughs> We're getting into the festive spirit, aren't we? Exactly. <laughs> ho, ho, ho. It's what he said when he needed three hoes to come over in a short order. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> move on, move on. Yeah, swiftly moving on. Uh, we had um, a new trailer drop uh this mm-hmm. week for spider-man across the multiverse interestingly subtitled part one uh scott you you're uh, probably a bit more familiar with this than me so what, what did you think of this um trailer yeah because i think we've talked about you know miles miles coming in to the live action you know mcu in the future like last week and then we just i just offhand the mention oh, i know they're doing a a sequel to Enter the Spider-Verse is making out next year. And then a few days later, I'm about to go to bed and I see uh, that this is out there and they say it's coming out sometime in 2022. I don't know when 
But yeah, quite, quite late. I think I saw winter 2022. I might, I might be wrong there, but I, I remember thinking to myself, oh, they've been advertising this quite well in advance, obviously capitalising on the fanfare of uh, No Way Home, I dare say. Yeah, it's full. I mean, because like the hashtag, anything hashtag with Spider Man uh, is like, gets a lot of eyes right now. So if that's been shared around social media, then it's like, not just like the fact that the film's good, but also everyone's tweeting about you know, trying to pre-book their tickets and how quickly the tickets are going uh, just from pre-sales and everything. So, yeah, just getting anything with the hashtag of Spider-Man out there is pretty, like, pretty smart. Uh, yeah, like, the fact that they're doing a part one, uh, it shows they've got faith in this to do across multiple movies and they've got more to kind of explore. The fact we saw that uh, saw that Gwen Stacy is Spider-Gwen, voiced by Haley Steinfeld's back, and you know, alongside Miles Morales, and everything, and then we're going to see some new versions of Spider-Man, and hopefully we'll see some of the old ones. Like I really enjoyed Nicolas Cage's Spider Noir, just in all the black and white. I hope he comes back. <laughs> yeah, that that was good. That was to be fair. Uh, and bloody, he's only got a bug for the superhero genre because they're introducing uh, as teasing like the postscripts for the first Spider Spider-Verse film, the futuristic version of Spider-Man, uh, Spider-Man twenty ninety nine. Who is going to be voiced by Oscar Isaac? Who he just he just seems to fucking keep popping up, doesn't he? Aye, but so does Haley Steinfeld. To be to be fair, <laughs> we're, 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 we're reviewing a sh- we're reviewing a show on on her uh, as it is. I know, but I look forward to. It. I mean, like I said, the uh, end of the Spider Verse was a really good. Well, I think also nominated for an Oscar. Don't know if it won Best Animated Film, but I know it was nominated. Uh, shortly after it came out and you know i think it's written by the guys who wrote the lego movie so it's probably why you know people loved it as much as they did you know i remember when we were doing that comic book movie tour and i got into it before we could finish it but we were meant to be doing the next stage uh me and jimmy and we were meant to do like a non-mcu marvel movies like fox sony kind of thing and i definitely think this would have been one of the films that definitely went through the end of the spider-verse because out of all the like, non-canon Spider-Man films that they've done, like this Venom and now doing Morbius, I think this is one of the few ones that everybody's universally agreed that they liked. Yeah, it was a it was a fun it was a fun uh, film, and I think it did really well. And interesting fact, because I do a a football pod again, um, f- former Arsenal and Chelsea footballer Olivier Giroud uh, apparently does a voice for the French version. Huh. interesting. I don't know. Yeah, the more you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it might might be more interesting to people who who you know support Arsenal and Chelsea and know who Olivier Giroud is. But you know, <laughs> no, no, I, I definitely understand. I'm completely following along with everything you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> of course, you are. Actually, a couple of people in this in the first interview I only found out recently went on to do MCU stuff. I think the guy who voices uh, Miles' dad went on to be in The Eternals. The guy who voices his uncle in the first one, I think he's now playing Blade. And also Haley Steinfeld and Hawkeye and everything. Uh, and uh, Catherine O'Hara, who played Agatha Harkness, played like a female Doc Ock in the first one of the Spider-Man yes. film. Yeah, it had, a really, it had a really good cast, actually, the, uh, the animated film. But a lot of these, um, a lot of these animations now do um, employ um, bigger, more well-known stars for the voiceovers, and I think these, mm-hmm. I think, you know, 
I mean, a lot of the Hollywood stars have realised that, um, you know, it's, it's an easy paycheck. <laughs> Go in, mm-hmm. record your lines. <laughs> Um, I think I think it was I think it was Chris Rock. Uh, so. I've been having a laugh about doing Madagascar. Said, so, "Oh, you know, these people say it's hard work." And he goes, "You just sit in the booth, say your lines, and take a million dollars." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it used to be like like not I like I just wanted to do it, but I think like then through the nineties, you know, certain animated films that had big names attached to it, you know, started doing really well. I think everybody started wanting to do it, you know, like the Robin Williams and James Earl Jones doing like Disney films and we kind of become synonymous with those parts. You know, showed that there was you no, know, it wasn't a Dexter Shush. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sh- yeah, showed that, you know, there's nothing, there was no problem in doing animated films. Uh, introducing the pizza dog to our arrows. It's Dexter, everybody. <laughs> He followed me. He followed me in, and now he's win- now he's whining as if he wants out. But I can't take him out right now. <laughs> and also, uh, we had some really cool news this week. It's been confirmed that um, I forgot his bloody name now. Charlie Cox has been confirmed uh, to carry on as Daredevil for Disney, which is yeah. uh, really good news because. I thought he did, I thought he played the character really well, so I'm, I'm glad they're keeping him on in that role. Yeah, because I, I think again this is something we were talking about last weekend. We talked about the potential connections with him and, and Echo and everything, with the talk of him coming back you know, to the role. And it's good that like Kevin Faggy was after, but he confirmed that know himself that he was going to be the MCU's version of it. It's kind of implies that you know that a lot of them see like the next like things isn't really not MCU kind of canon things. It was very little kind of crossover well as of like yet. So eventually he like is he just gonna be like Daredevil and just like name in that and like the guy like not acknowledge what he what he did in the three shows and the guy like you talked about with we were talking about uh and Facebook about. You know, Foggy and Ellison and the Psycho are going to recast them and start a whole new thing. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think if you're keeping the, strange, the same character, it would be strange to sort of not acknowledge what's come before and start again with an origin story because the first Netflix season was basically the origin story. So um, I, I don't know. I think that would be a bit pointless to do that. And I think from what they're doing so far, I, I would have thought Disney are a bit too sort of clever to to do that so hopefully they'll just start with him already being daredevil yeah i think he already will be uh daredevil uh also the new show the origin it's just a case of like is he is it the same actor but playing just maybe slight alteration's from the version you've seen before because i'm assuming that this version of daredevil will go straight into having the red suit and not not mm, off that's... with the black that we saw in the, the Netflix show and then go into the because you didn't get the full like recognisable red suit until like the season finale of season one yeah yeah that's kind of no, that's kind of what I meant yeah that you know hopefully they'd, they'd skip they'd skip that this time maybe you could show some some in flashbacks I mean I don't know if Disney can buy the rights to the Netflix version or you know what the you know how the who the rights belong to and how it all works, or they can maybe do some sort of um, deal that they've done with Sony, so they they share it or something. Maybe uh, I'm not sure because uh, 
I think when it comes to like different streaming services, there can be a lot of issues with what you can and mm. can, you know. Yeah, because like, I remember the show uh, Lucifer, the first three seasons of it were available to watch on like, Amazon, even though it wasn't an Amazon like, exclusive show. I think it was on like Fox in the, the US, whatever. But then after the third season, it got bought by Netflix and became like a Netflix exclusive thing. But Netflix were only allowed to like, put on from season four onwards. They weren't able to get the first three seasons. Uh, to show you if you were watching it and didn't know the show. So if you wanted to find out what the hell happened, you had to go. Also, make sure you had Netflix and Amazon if you want to watch Bloody Lucifer. Yeah, it is, it is a bit of a, a strange one. Um, but I suppose it depends um, what sort of deals you can strike with other platforms and and what have you and how willing they are to do um, you know deals and, and whatnot. Yeah, like, I think I think it is a lot about. You know, I mean, in the end of the day, and the reason they cancelled uh, these shows seemingly is because they were about to start, you know, they're to showing their own shows on their own service. So I think they can just basically they can keep what they need to keep and basically say ignore mm. everything else. Although some of them weren't very good, like uh, the the oh, what was it the the glowing fist one, uh, Iron Fist. Yeah, that was that it. Was, God awful. Uh, tried twice to watch the same series. I couldn't. I couldn't get through more than a couple of episodes of it. Like I remember watching Shang Chi. Like, even the trailers. I remember for Shang Chi. I thought this is basically what Iron Fist should have been. They should have cast an Asian person who could actually do martial arts for the role. That might have been a might have been a good start. Yeah, the fact that he's like missing all these years and sitting back and he's talking about all these things he can do, like. You just look just looking at the actor that who played him like you just look like you've been on a really extended gap year to Asia and now you want to show off all the martial arts you learned. Yeah, I mean the only good thing about that show was just Jessica Henwick in in my opinion. And I think I think there was a story about her like the, them wanting her for the MC. I don't know for what part of it was to be the same character or a different character, but then she ended up taking a role in the new Matrix coming out and they, apparently she wasn't able to do both. Uh, yeah, I, I, I heard something about that, but that that new Matrix film does look pretty awesome. So uh, it might be a good decision. We'll have to see. Mm-hmm. And my other my other call, um, I'd love to see Vincent Tofonio, uh carry on as Wilson Fisk as well. And mm-hmm. I wouldn't mind Eldon Henson carrying on as Foggy Nelson, but um, yeah. I could live with him being recast. But I do think he. I do think he played the part really well. Yeah, having like Foggy and Kingpin, there's only a couple of characters that really you would like to see as the original ones. The other ones you could kind of replace with other people. Mm. Uh, I think it's kind of weird that like the original Daredevil, who had been athlete, had bloody John Favreau as as Foggy Nelson. And now look where he is in terms of the MCU. Yeah, <laughs> he. he... He uh, quit being a lawyer and became uh, Tony Stark's head of security. <laughs> a trade-off, if anything. Exactly, yeah, 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 and he got to date Aunt May, so, you know, winner, winner. But yeah, it would be it'd be quite stra- it would be quite strange, though, to uh, recast Charlie Cox and then not recast uh, Eldon Henson and Vincent DeFanio in my book, but... Uh, We'll we'll see. Um, I think Disney and, and Marvel have done a good job of these sort of things so far. So I'll trust them. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they've got enough of a track record to like, earn people's kind of trust with these kind of things. Because I don't know anything about Charlie Cox. Like I'd see him in one or two things. Like I think he was in the film Stardust, which is a underrated film. You know, you get to see uh, Robert De Niro play a cross-dressing pirate. You know, it's a hell of a family family adventure. But uh, other than that, I didn't see him as anything else. But now I can't see him as anything other than Daredevil. Yeah, exactly. I think he was on the. I think he was on a soap opera over in the UK at some point, apparently. But uh, yeah. I, can't, I can't remember which one it was now. Yeah, I keep forgetting he's 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 English, but you know, other than Star, the only other thing I see him in is he, he played an Irishman and in an episode of Colors of the Boardwalk Empire, and you know, I don't guess his Irish acting was bad, but I'm not going to I could do any better either. <laughs> it's a hard one to seems to be a hard one to do the Irish accent whenever they've cast a non-Irish person to be an Irish person it's, it's the Irish accent they put on is, is never good <laughs> you know they was to just try try and cast a legit Irish people rather than <laughs> have someone mangle the accent yeah I remember early wasn't it I was called always W and that's a wrestling one like, done by three Irish guys, but they were doing a review of the uh, the one of the Marine films that had Becky Lynch in it. They were talking about how Becky Lynch changes her Irish accent basically so people can understand her. And then they show this brief montage of people doing bad Irish accents in films. <laughs> like basically non-Irish people struggling to do it, like basically doing the most stereotypical kind of Irish accent you imagine. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, you know, if you take Van Dyke, even a Cockney one's difficult to do. So, who knows? All right. Any, anything else you wanted to get off your chest before we get into the episode in hand? Um, not really. I mean, it was a brief story that I don't know if there's really anything to talk about it other than speculation. But, like, I've seen everybody, I may have put on my list of things I was talking about last week, but how. Uh, Apparently there was a lot of reshoots for Doctor Strange 2 and that might be why they pushed it back. I'm assuming if they've announced that they're doing that, like they're doing the reshoots so close to the Far From Home coming out, then I think maybe that'll have bigger ramifications going into Doctor Strange than maybe people thought before. Uh, And also the fact that Sam Raimi, who used to do the original Spider-Man, is the one directing it. All right, yeah, that is interesting. But it, as you say, it would ex- that is the case. It would explain why it's been pushed back. Maybe something didn't quite work, or didn't test very well, or something. If they've showed it to test audiences yet, I don't know. But um, that's all, that's often a source of um, a reason for reshoots if uh, test audiences don't like something. Yeah, because I don't know if they're at the stage they're show yet, but uh, there has been a history of like, test audiences dramatically changing films. Like, apparently a test audience is what got the scene with Darth Vader swinging a lightsaber around because basically they're like, oh, not enough Vader in this film. Yeah, yeah, basically, yeah, they a lot of complaints, wasn't it? Yeah, in Rogue One, that yeah, wasn't enough Darth Vader, so they added, a, as you say, that, that bit where he slices through... What do you call people who occupy a spaceship? Yeah, rebels on the spaceship. Yeah, I mean, we in we we were saying uh, not enough. That's a bit more articulate than I assume. The people that try and survey for test audiences are 
me who's never met a test audience ever Billy. I just assumed there was just somebody in the background. I want to see lightsabers. It's a Star Wars movie. There's no lightsabers. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's um, hopefully the the reshoot because sometimes you hear about reshoots in films and it does make you panic. It's not going to be very good because, like, Solo Film had a, a lot of reshoots and changes direction by all accounts, and uh, that wasn't that wasn't great. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, sometimes they can really like dramatically change the quality of like, film, like the Fantastic Four film that Josh Trent did had a lot of reshoots or stuff edited out, and sometimes you end up with fucking the final product being four hours Zack Snyder. <laughs> Or if another director director comes on board, you you get like almost like two different films squashed into one, like the original uh, Justice League. Mm-hmm. Half of it was done by uh, Zack Snyder, and half of it was done by Josh Whedon, and you can sort of tell who directed which bits. Mm-hmm. And by the time they did the reshoots, bloody Henry Cavill had that mustache that ruined everything. <laughs> <laughs> I always, uh, I always think of the um, Deadpool trailer when um, we see uh, just Brolin's arm in the green sleeve and says, well, can't, can't we do his arm yet? It's not as if we're trying to uh, edit out a moustache. <laughs> I know. Uh, that, that, that still annoys me, that fucking moustache thing. I, I've mentioned it before. I'm not going to let it go. It was for Mission Impossible you grew the moustache for. How, how important was it your character had a moustache in that movie? Honestly. Well, he'd already started filming the Mission Impossible and uh, he had to do the reshoots in between doing it, so I suppose he couldn't just suddenly show up with his Mission Impossible character clean-shaven. Unless it's, maybe it's easier to digitally put a moustache on. Who knows? Like, Oh, I don't want to talk about it. Let's go back to Hawkeye. I enjoy Hawkeye. I, I need to calm down. Because if I talk about this any further, I'm just going to annoy myself here. Because <laughs> I was, I was going to make a reference to a film that edited on hair in a certain area of a, of a lady, but we'll uh, perhaps we'll do that there. <laughs> People who have seen Shades of Grey will, will know what I'm on about. First the, first the She-Hulk thing a couple of weeks ago, and we're going to have to... Have you take sensitivity classes between recording sessions? HR is going to have a field day with you. <laughs> no, don't send me to Anthony's office again. Well, I did. I did a call. I did a course on um, being on um, sensitivity stuff. I'm, well, I'm, I'm well, great at it. I got full marks. Apparently that's a bad thing, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he passed it a bit too well. <laughs> uh, so there was an episode of Hawkeye, apparently. Yeah, yeah. So let's get into it. Um, as we say, the episode is called Echoes, and it duly opens with uh, a bit of like a, a flashback sequence. Basically, we see. The the character Echo, or her real name Maya, uh, as a young girl in class, uh, she's we we can see she's 
uh, clearly deaf, uh, but she's in a normal school. Uh, the teacher is um, teaching somewhere or another. She thinks uh, Echo's not paying attention, but when she goes over to her, she can see that she's already filled in her textbook and filled it in correctly. So, um, obviously, being being deaf isn't stopping her from being a good student. Uh, we then see her with her father. Uh, she's asking her father about what sounds different things make, the sky, dragons. Uh, she's just asking, why can't I go to the deaf school? Uh, you said we've got the money to go there. But uh, her father tells her that you're you're unique and you need to be able to jump into both worlds. This will do you good in the long run. Going to a going to a normal school. Um, then we also see her uh, doing uh, like a martial arts class. Uh, her father tells her that your your uncle will uh, will be taking you home today, and we see sort of part of a person in a and a nice black suit, sort of see half his torso and an arm, and he reaches out and pinches her cheek in a in like a playful way. So we don't actually see who it is. Um, so that's a little little cool little tidbit there, which we'll get into after. Uh, we also see when she's doing her um, martial arts, she's got a prosthetic leg as well. But she doesn't let that hold her back. We see that she watches how the others move and fight, and she's able to to win her little sparring contest. Then we go a little bit further into the future, where um, her father and their gang are getting taken out by um, Ronin, who we also know is obviously Clint, and um, yeah, he. He's obviously mortally wounded her father. Um, Echo goes in to try and save him, but uh, he tells her she needs to she needs to go. Um, obviously to hide and get away from Ronin uh, as he as he sadly dies. So we sort of get a look into why. Uh, Echo and the tracksuit mafia are so interested in finding Ronin because he's the one who uh, who killed her father when he was going around killing all these gangsters back in the blip. We get back into um, present day. Uh, Clint and Kate are both tied up now. Her, her little rescue did not go well and he's not impressed that she sort of came to his aid because it's bollocks up his plan somewhat. And um, we sort of see them, but they're sort of tied. I, I don't know if they're, are they in a mall or something? Uh, they're tied up to little, those little like unicorns that you, you put your couple of dollars in and they move back and back and forth, which is, which is quite fun. Um, I think they're in like an old like warehouse thing. It's like house like toys. I think I think it says something toys on the the sign oh, when they do like the escape later on. I couldn't quite make that, up my mind. Yeah, but I know the ones you talked about, like the yeah, the one basically you see them outside a shopping centre for the like young kids. Or you see them inside the shopping centres. 
As 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 he's, like, mm. he's laughing at them while he just made them they keep making them ride the thing and they're both getting a bit fed up by it but uh, there's also a fun little bit where um, Kate sort of gives one of the thugs advice on uh, <laughs> <laughs> some Christmas present he's bought his girlfriend he wants to go to this concert with her but she's decided to to take her friend and he's, he's a bit unhappy about it <laughs> she'll see see Clint we and she tells him <laughs> opening up and talking to people uh, I think he does then tell her that he was basically here to clear her name and she basically fucked up and she's like ah well didn't know that <laughs> Um, so we sort of um, they sort of get introduced to um, to Maya uh, slash Echo who comes down with like a um, it's like a interpretator lieutenant I'm not sure if he might be a boyfriend as well he, he do seem quite close what, what do you think Scott I think he's kind of like kind of like is the right hand because I believe he was the one I didn't really make a mention of it in the first couple of episodes. I didn't think it meant much, but uh, like he was one of the thugs that helped uh, break into the auction. I think he's the one that like lifted up his mask after you know, Kate got away in the the Ronin suit. So I think he has kind of a right hand, but also he's one of the only ones that knows sign language, so he can like, interpret for her. But yeah, I think they do imply that there is that they are very close. So I don't know if they're out and out saying that there's something else going on there. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I couldn't quite decide myself, but uh, yeah. So anyway, this yes, uh, she so she stamps on um, Clint's uh, hearing aid, telling him he doesn't need it and he would be better with better without it. Obviously, um, Echo is talking to them in sign language, and uh, the other guy I can't remember his name now. He he sort of interprets for her. Mm-hmm. And um, Clint is denying all knowledge of Ronin. He says it's definitely not Kate. Look at her; she's nine years old. <laughs> she doesn't. <laughs> she doesn't know what she's doing. He tells them that Ronin's Ronin's died, and that he knows because his friends saw it. It's uh, they know he's lying. And to be honest, it's not the most it's not the most convincing lie. To, to, to be to be fair. <laughs> yeah, I think Kate's obviously. She, usually, she'd be annoyed if Clint basically told her she didn't know anything. But she's trying to play along. I don't do anything. I didn't know anything. I'm not a uh, Ronan because obviously Echo and that thing that she is, and so she's trying to play like back up Clint, saying like, "Yes, I don't know anything. I'm not even supposed to be here." Yeah, she she sort of tells them that she only put the suit on because she didn't want people to realise it was her at the auction, which. Which actually is the truth, but I'm still not too sure if they believe her. Um, Clint manages to free himself and uh, tells Kate to wait for a signal. So quite funny, Kate's like, "How did you? How did you do that?" And she's desperately trying to free herself like he did, but she's unable to. Uh, Clint with some hand-to-hand combat fights off quite a lot of the the mafia. He has a bit of a fisticuffs with um, Echo as well he manages to get to his um, bow and arrows he shoots two arrows at Echo to 
antenna to the wall in quite a cool little sequence, and then he fires an arrow to to free uh, Kate from her bonds, and um, they basically manage to fight themselves out of the, the warehouse, and they run out onto the car park where there are two cars. Uh, one, I have no idea what the model is, but the, the first one is a 72 Challenger, which Kate tries to get him to take he was what no i'm not gonna i'm not gonna smash a 72 challenger <laughs> and he's trying to get cake to drive but she says no no you drive and he's like i can't because he hasn't got his hearing aid and she's dug to the wrong side he goes i can't hear you i can't hear you but um the mafia come out after them and they have no choice, uh, Barton have no choice but to get behind the wheel anyway. And uh, they drive off and we sort of see the, the car chase we saw in one of the trailers and it's a really cool car chase as well. It's, uh, uh, he tells her to fire, fire at them and he's sort of, as he's driving, <laughs> sorting out the trick arrow she can't use. Not that one, not that one, definitely not that one. <laughs> and uh, she fires something that sort of makes a purple gloop substance cover her car windscreen. She's like, play doh arrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think he realises she's used it because I think he's only got the one, but he tells her he should have the tyres, but she's already fired it. So it just, it just makes a wee bit of a mess on the windscreen. <laughs> and yeah, uh, she's trying to talk to him even though he can't hear her. And she says, you know what would be easier if, if I was facing the other way, and then he sort of repeats what she said, you know, it might be easier if we were facing the other way. So he spins the <laughs> car, he spins the car around and uh, starts driving backwards so uh, Kate can see where she's aiming. She fires another arrow at the car and it blows up, <laughs> which, makes, uh, which makes a gasp. So, <laughs> you mean to tell me there's four more arrows more dangerous than that one? <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I think there was a bit of creative editing in the, the trailer because it makes it seem like that Clint makes a face after that, like he's acknowledging it, but we know that we, the fact that she's looking in, every time she pauses her head in to say something, he pretty much can't hear because he's having to focus on where he's driving and he's not looking like directly at her. Yeah, yeah, there's a couple of times he, he pretty much parrots what she said because he doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't know what she's saying. And... Um, then she uh, she fires the scut arrow. I mean the plunger arrow and hey. plunger <laughs> plunger arrow. What's that? What's that trick? It's useless. But <laughs> uh, we do we do see later on it's not useless because it's Christmas. They drive through a load of Christmas trees. Um, she fires another arrow that seems to. The castanet or something it pulls all these Christmas trees onto one of the pursuing cars, which is uh, which is quite funny. And um, Echo pulls up alongside them in the Challenger, so uh, that must have been her car. So yeah. um, don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. They they didn't take it in the end. And uh, as she pulls up alongside. Um, Kate's able to reclaim her her own bow. She says, I'll take that, thank you very much. And she shoots another trick arrow into the car, which shoots like a a purple gas into the car mm-hmm. so they can't see and they crash. <laughs> and Clint sort of promotes the fact that the car the car gets totaled anyway. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um 
they have to they sort of uh, have to stop and they come to a stop and spin round with nowhere to go. There's a pickup car, pickup truck that looks like it's gonna um, run into them at some point. So he sort of fires uh, and that tells um, Kate to fire an arrow into the air. Now, I, on my first watch through, I I think. I think clock the arrow that couldn't fire said pim on it. And I was a bit confused why the arrow suddenly got really massive <laughs> as it lands on the on the truck. But uh on the second watch through I, I was paying a bit more attention and I, I realised what was going on, thankfully. Because I thought I convinced myself perhaps the arrow didn't go massive and I just I just thought I, I just Mandela affected the thing. But uh <laughs> Yeah, I had to rewind it when I was watching it just to double check because I seen that like, it was it was glowing blue at the front and the fact that the tires went was it a pin kind of thing because like Clint's already met Ant Man like was like Civil mm. War and and like End Game but uh, so I had to rewind it and yeah it says like pin on the end of it yeah yeah as I say I had <laughs> it confused me that went the first time I watched it and um, Clint decides he needs to run to retrieve the the plunger arrow so they obviously need it for something uh which you find out quite soon as he fires an arrow um sort of onto the bridge and they sort of abseil fly down onto a moving train and they use the plunger arrow onto the train as scott mentioned at the beginning of the, the pod to cling up cling onto the moving train as they make their getaway and Kate says, I totally get the plunger arrow now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then like the whole miscommunication between them was, like was even funnier here because she sits down after that suddenly dream finally after getting a moment's respite after that whole chase and everything. It's like you need to walk the dog. <laughs> and then she starts talking and then he he starts saying talking having a completely different conversation about how talented she is and before she can even get a chance to say thank him for what he says to her, he goes, I think we should walk the dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, back at their sort of little hideout, um, Clint gets a phone call because he on speaker, but because he can't really hear what it is, he's not sure he's calling them. So, so Kate helps him out with that, and tells him it's his youngest son, and sort of um, writes down what he's saying so Clint can sort of carry on the conversation. And once more, he makes that horrendous promise that he'll definitely be home for Christmas. <laughs> the more time he promises this, the less and less likely it gets. I know. The more you say it, the less we believe you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, we also see another scene of Echo uh, with a right-hand man. Um, he tells her she went a she went too far and things got out of hand and um, that uncle won't be happy. Um, Echo reminds him that she's in charge of this operation and tells him to look into Clint Barton. So she's obviously not convinced about what he was telling her. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Kate and... Um, and go out uh, for a walk and to grab breakfast. He also meet um, someone who can repair his hearing aid for him. They get that repaired. Um, they have like a bit of a, a bit more of a chat in the uh, 
the dying Hershey tells goes back onto its branding problems <laughs> and draws up a, a design of a, a suit for him, which I think must be the original comic book suit by the looks of it. And he yeah. tells her, I am not wearing that. Um, I'm meant to be a ghost, and plus, my wife would divorce me if I wore that. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, it's got like the mask and like the heat on it for, for Hawkeye, mm. so it's pretty much accurate. It's just like a just a quick like, sketch of it. And she says it would be purple as well, which I'm pretty sure his <laughs> original costume was black black and purple, so it makes sense. He tells yeah. her he needs to find a name. Uh, she, she needs to find a name for the dog. And she goes through a couple of names, and then when she says pizza dog with a sort of looks up in a sort of happy way. So he has <laughs> been named and dubbed pizza dog. <laughs> it's official. <laughs> Uh, they sort of talk a bit more about the tracksuit mafia and she talks about her mum and Jack and how she's still really suspicious of him and she tells Clint we're going to break into my mum's penthouse and we're going to find information on Jack Uh, (laughs) he doesn't seem super thrilled by that idea but they go along with it and uh, he realises when they're in the penthouse that yep she and her family are filthy rich Mm-hmm. And um, he starts snooping. Kate has a look on the laptop. She manages to uh, get in with her mother's password and starts finding a few files uh, on a couple of things before she gets locked out. And as uh, Clint is snooping around, uh, Jack kind of sort of puts a sword to his throat. And the episode ends there with uh, Clint in a bit of bother. So uh, quite a good, quite a cool way to end the episode. Because mm-hmm. I messaged you shortly after I watched it, telling you, basically trying to prepare you because I didn't know if you'd watched it or not, for like a really annoying ending. Because as soon as the sword like came at you through and then it just cut to black, mm. I'm like, oh, please don't be into it. And then the first credit came on, <laughs> I went, oh, you. <laughs> same, same issue I had with like the last few episodes of One Division leading up to the finale. It's typical. It's one of those things. If you had the whole season of Able to watch, you, you just have to watch. You just have to watch the next episode there and then, no matter what the time was, wouldn't you? Because you'd you'd need to know what happens. Yeah, I really, really like enjoyed this episode. Like, it seems like they are ramping up from, with each episode because they've only got six of them. So, like, they don't give you like as much as you really need to know about the origin of, of Kate in the first episode before ramping up in terms of the action. And like, at first, I was kind of doubting this episode, the ending would lead to anything because, like, oh, I'm sure, like, then her mum will come in and they'll explain everything. And that. But then I realized, I looked a bit closer, I went, oh, done. I remember Jack bid on the sword, the, the Ronin sword, which is what he's holding to Clint's throat at the auction. But I'm pretty sure the uncle, who now who's now dead, uh, ended up winning the sword, who then coincidentally showed up later on, stabbed by a sword. So, uh, how, again, it makes me think, how did Jack get the uh, the sword? He's holding a clip so see like yes, we were right not to trust him. Because like she like gives him a bit of information about Jack that he like Clint doesn't know because he wasn't there. So our context she goes, and yesterday he offered me a butterscotch. Yeah. So he doesn't sort of um talk about the monograms that were on the butterscotch. So <laughs> it's about Clint's just a bit baffled by that one. <laughs> He's like, that's not a crime to me. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I I wonder if 
like we were saying on the last pod that Jack's going to end up be not being a villain at all, and perhaps he sort of, perhaps it is Kate's mum that's in some bad stuff, and he's getting close to her because of that. Because as we as we did go over in the the, the other part, it just seems a bit too obvious that he's going to be a villain, and he's obviously not going to decapitate Clint because he's the main character. So something's going to happen there. It feels like it feels weird that we're like halfway through the season, we're not actually sure who the bad guy really is. Is it Jack? Is it our mum? Is there somebody else? Like, because you got Echo, and Echo's like talking about her uncle, clearly involved in crime, so she's working for him, and the tracks at Mafia work under her. It's kind of our lackeys for the most part. Uh, I put in my notes here. I made some notes. My one, my my second note that I made here is Kingpin is definitely the uncle. Yeah, um, I said this to you in a in a chat uh, yesterday, and um, I put that in my notes as well. Um, uh, it's it's got to be surely. I know, like very like large Well, it may be bigger than her because she's a child, but a very imposing uh, white man with large hands with a very deep throaty laugh, and like that, that that's that's Kingpin. Like, yeah, not just because he's got connections to Kingpin in the comics, but just like from how they showed you him without really showing you him, and then it, still implying that they're still working together, and that Clint somehow come across him because later on he says to Kia about the tracks of mafia and what he knows was. With somebody at the top, you you don't want to get on the wrong side of them. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. And um, as you say, he did look quite a lot. You don't see much of him, but it does look quite a large man. And that, it, and the suit looked like the sort of suit we saw Kingpin wear in the Daredevil um, series. So um, yeah, uh, it's got to be. Whether he makes a proper appearance in this, I don't know. But if he does, I hope it's Vincent. Yeah, I have a feeling like, like we were recording this. This will be out just probably the same day that the new episode comes out. So maybe you're watching, listening to this first, or you've already watched it. So let me know if I'm wrong here on Twitter. Uh, but I, I have a feeling when the last shot to like episode four, just a big reveal. You know, they get into a thing with the Tracy Mafia and Echo again, and then they meet the uncle, and they just just didn't sit off just sitting in his suit in a big chair. Uh, the big cliffhanger for episode four. All right, that'd be cool. I, I, I have a feeling because, like, I think by the time you get to episode four, you really need to start revealing something in terms of who the bad guy is, because then you've got like episode like five and six left to really then like, see how they take them down. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Or you just sort of well because. Uh, they haven't actually got it cast properly. You might just sort of see um, more sort of parts of him and mm-hmm. speaking rather than see his face, if that makes any sort of sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think maybe they'll, they'll hold off because maybe they think that like some people who may watch this may not have watched the, the Netflix show and might not know a lot about mm. you know, this, this version of the Kingpin or like the character. So, yeah, you never, you never really know. I'm, I think they might do something like a fan service, like, a, like uh, an end of credits scene at the end of the last episode, or or something. Then he might just make a a brief appearance like that, mm-hmm. just to, maybe to set up the you know to set up the Echo's um, own series. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I found out about Echo. 
the actress who plays her is deaf. Yeah, but... yeah. There's a there's a real there's a real interesting little um, thing on YouTube. I don't know what to call it because it's only like just over a minute, but it sort of tells you about the actress that plays her, uh, Alakwa Cox, and yeah, she's. Um, yeah, deaf in real life, and she's also an amputee in real life as well. And um, I, th- I think it's really cool that they've cast a proper deaf actress uh, mm-hmm. for this role. And um, this is her first acting gig as well. And you, you wouldn't know that. I think she, I think she plays the part really well. Yeah, I mean, she doesn't have to like do it like as much like obviously. She gets to come out. I think she obviously would have already known sign language, so I think maybe it's the authenticity that comes mm. by casting a deaf person. So right through doing so, Olin, she looks like so suited to you know, this character. And yeah, it's like amazing that this is like our first real like role because she's got this, and then already guaranteed her own spinoff. And you know, when you say onto the MCU, you don't just sign off for one thing. You you know, eventually you end up in multiple things. So. What a hell of a gig t- for her to get in her first like, acting you know, job. And you have the fact that she's an amputee. I didn't know, like, I remember hearing a little bit about the, the Echo Carter thing and her. Don't know, is the amputee a thing in the comics? I didn't know about it. And then I said, oh no, it's just the fact that she is an amputee in real life. Like, huh. It's the fact that you see it and then never again in the episode is it ever referenced. So it's just showing you, like, oh, the woman happens to be an amputee, but it's not really relevant to the character. So we're not going to make a big deal out of it. Yeah, yeah, it is what it is. It, it it doesn't, you know, it's not stopping her from being a badass. So we don't have to make a big sort of meal out of it. And I, I like what they do at the beginning with the uh, the flashback as well, where they sort of cut the sound, so you you sort of get a, a sort of idea what it's like to be in her world where where she can't hear anything. Yeah, and like I think it goes back to what we were saying in a previous episode about. You know how they how they turn her from like a, a villain to maybe more of an anti hero rather than a good guy for her own show because you know it's an interesting idea you know to you know, it'd be weird for them to try and get you invested in like a, a villain as the main character when they do her own show. And I think this is the best way to do it right off the bat to show what struggles she's had to overcome and everything. And apparently she's got this ability where she can basically like watch somebody and learn how they fight. So you see her watching the fight and the. Uh, in the karate studio, and then she goes up and sees fights the boy who won the last fight, and is easily able to like take him down. So, obviously, it shows you that also with the thing with Ron, it shows you that she's not really a villain, she's just like trying to get like justice. And she's like, we're, we're seeing things from her perspective, so in her mind, she's not really the bad guy Ronan is. Uh, and also, it's very interesting that not her or Kate or anybody still doesn't know that it's Clint, and the fact that. Like you see very little of Ronan in that flashback scene, makes you think maybe, maybe not straightforward. Maybe it's not Clint under the suit. Maybe it is. Who knows? Like because it'd be interesting to see Clint have to deal with the consequences of what he did during the blip. But I remember like seeing the the clip where she she looks in the window and you see uh, Ronan going around killing people. I just like I was like <gasps> like like proper like oh Jesus! I didn't really think they'd go down this road. Yeah, I mean, you could see from the like, Avengers Endgame that he'd been doing some pretty questionable stuff. Okay, yeah, he was taking out um, villains and gangsters and that, but even as we've seen, even that has repercussions because um, you know, obviously, um, either killed or mortally wounded 
uh, Echo's father. And yeah, as you say, um, she's not exactly a true villain. She's sort of been molded into this life from a young age by her father and uncle, which I don't, which I dare say. Uh, he isn't uh, like a paternal uncle, but you're just given that name as you as you do when you've got a close a close friend, and you say this is Uncle Steve. He's not really your Uncle Steve. He's just your your dad's best friend, or or whatever. Yeah. So I, I think he's more that kind of uncle than an actual relation uncle. If if I'm making sense there, yeah, and, yeah, um, and yeah, she's got a legit beef and reason for hunting down Ronan and possibly Clint if she finds out he was Ronan because yeah he, he's looks like the reason why her her dad's dead so yeah it's it's, it's uh, there's, a, there's a lot of good serious stuff here but then there's also a lot of good comedy stuff like the car you know, the whole car chase sequence it's it's just <laughs> hilarious that you know he's he's driving away at top speeds and yeah he's going through the trick arrows telling her what ones she can't use <laughs> mm-hmm. but before that like there's like, there's some comedy to start off like you, you literally jump back and forth between the tones because you see echo's father getting killed and then you see the like the, the tracksuit mafia you know putting echo putting a uh, key and and Clint on those like machines and like taking the piss and that you have the whole sequence with the, the thing like I bought my girlfriend Imagine Dragon tickets now she wants to go with her friend she doesn't even like Imagine Dragons I'm the one that bought them and uh, <laughs> and uh, keep trying to find the pods like well at least you don't have to sit through Imagine Dragons I like Imagine Dragons oh yeah no they're, they're cool yeah <laughs> there's nothing wrong with Imagine Dragons I want to put that out there they did that song Monster for the Daniel Bryan WrestleMania 30 video package Elevation. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they've done, they've done, they've done some decent tunes. So I, I don't mind them. Yeah. Anywho, but like, yeah, then they jump into the car chasing, which you get a whole new perspective. Because, like, like, remember we saw the clip and like it kind of implies about the hearing loss with the no, I'm, I, I don't. But he says in the the clip, no, I'm not hearing you. You drive. So Clint goes through that whole fight scene in the between with him and Echo and the the warehouse that does the whole car chasing on the train. While he basically can't hear anything, just again shows you how talented like he is still. And then it does provide for the funny like miscommunications and yeah, I think the Red Challenger was like his car in the comet this is based on. Then so they think they say that in there as a bit of fan service, but then like you said, even though he doesn't want any like rust like damage in it, because like the car that they take the windows keep getting like shot out. The when they're fending them off, the car does crash anyway. Yeah, there's also a fun bit of the the communication when he when he's trying to to fire the arrow up, up and start saying something and he's like, I can't hear you, but I'm assuming you're on board. <laughs> yeah, very, very much. And then like, one of the only trick arrows that I think didn't really work is when he had the acid arrows to like shoot down the the traffic lights. I think they were wanting like to call the cars to try and block them out, but. They end up catching up to them anyway, so I think that ended up being a bit pointless. But remember when he's trying to like distract, he needs to keep to distract them while he gets the uh, the plunger arrow back. He uses the last trick arrow, but it just so happens to be like the USB arrow. So there's nothing he can do. But there are distance so she goes, stand back. She holds up an arrow and they all stop. <laughs> they don't realise, like, you don't want to see what this can do. I just fires it and just bounces off. And like, yeah, that's really funny, that. I forgot about that bit. That's hilarious. That was hilarious. 
it's like, like the bit in that Simpsons movie where, where people try to get into the house and Homer finally goes, stand back, I got a chainsaw. He just starts making chainsaw noises. <laughs> just, it, it says he, he does need to sort out some sort of labeling system. <laughs> Very much. And then, like I said, you jump back through the, the different tones, and then it gets really just sad. It just felt like, oh, like it was one of the saddest like MCU scenes I think they've had since the scene with buddy Tony's funeral with his daughter, because the bit where he doesn't realise he's talking to his son and then she's writing down and stuff and then she writes down that he says it's okay if you don't if you can't come home for Christmas and just you see just the, the look on Clint's face like the idea that he's son's okay with him not being there and like even though he really wants to be there. Everything's like imagine might joke about him like making the promises, like you feel like there's a bit where he's wee boy just like, ah, like he really brings the mood back down again after the whole like excitement of the car chase. Yeah, yeah, it really does. It's it's got a heartfelt sort of little scene, and it's really well done as well. But and uh, again, I like the way they sort of when you sort of seen it from Clint's perspective, they sort of do something to the to the sound where you can't really hear what the boy's saying, so you sort of get an idea what it's like for for Clint, which is uh, really cool. Yeah. You can faintly hear what he's saying, but also Clint can't fully hear it, so we can, can hear it, and then you see Kate write it down on the bit of paper. Uh, and then they kind of do a similar trick with uh, with Echo, who's kind of fully deaf, whereas Clint isn't fully deaf yet. Uh, where like, well, the, the scene where they're interrogating Clint is back and forth between the the sign language, and then you see her like reading his lips and the subtitles of what she's seeing, and he tries to tell little Black Widow killed Ronan, but they don't believe him because like, conveniently him, Black Widow's dead and can't cooperate mm. what he's saying. Uh, and then like the fact that she destroyed the hearing aid because like she's learned to live without one and she thinks he should as well. Uh, and then he tries to do the minimal sign language he knows. He just goes, cookie, good. <laughs> <laughs> That's what that was. Uh, was funny. And then yeah, the, but like, we we see a lot of like how he perceives himself among the Avengers in that scene with the the costume, and how like he he and Black will basically work case of like we we've not got superpowers or not like tech geniuses or gods or whatever, but like we, we they were basically shield agents who happened to get recruited among the Avengers, and so obviously he's like used to being a spy and like not being seen, and then yeah, the bit like my wife would divorce me if I wore something ridiculous like that because. I think there are some costumes that you can't really as adapt as painfully because in reality when you put them on like in live action you realise it's a bit silly that uh, so basically them acknowledging like yeah he's not going to get the full Hawkeye costume but we've referenced it but you know Jeremy Renner would look stupid with a big H on his forehead yeah, yeah, they do. They do that quite a lot in these um, films and programs. Yeah, little references to the to the old costumes, and we all have a bit of, bit of a, a laugh at, about them because I imagine they were apparently quite cool back in the day when they were first conceptualised. But looking back at them now, with two thousand twenty-one eyes, uh, a lot of these costumes look yeah a bit a, a bit sort of. Terrible and gaudy to to work in real life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like I think because like the episode doesn't feel as long as the last two. I think because they create some cram so much in that when it does end, you do feel that kind of mm. oh, because you're falling along. It feels like they're really progressing the, the story, and then I get once again having to go back to the system we're on now of the the watching weekly, 
that we've got to get used to again. You know, it's like it's keeping you guessing until the following week. Yeah, and they—I must admit—they do a very good job of pacing these episodes. I mean, an episode like this that's got so much going on um, could be in danger of feeling a bit bloated and having too much happening. But they seem to work it really well, so it never feels like too much is going on, and they still find points um, where they can sort of slow the pace down for a bit of sort of talk in the next position like the uh, the coffee shop scene and and what have you so um yeah I, th- I think i think so far they're doing a really good job with this series yeah i think you can slowly we should have seen him warming to to kate even though like during the diner scene you still hear that faint echo sound like when usually when he can't hear something but it turns out he's already got his hearing aid fixed by then he's just decided to turn it down a little bit <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they seem to have good chemistry, um, um, Renner and uh, Steinfeld. So it's it's working really well. The casting, the castings on the, all these uh, sort of Marvel shows on Disney Plus so far has been excellent. To mm-hmm. be fair, yeah, and yeah, been like solid and interesting to see how you know things progress at the start of the next episode because then. We got, you know, Haley's, because uh, then Kate's nun's probably going to find out about what's like going on and everything. Because I've seen the odd TV spot, you see them inside the apartment, and there's a, a scene in an elevator. I don't know if it's in the other apartment they were hiding or this one, but Kate's there in her full, like, purple, like, kind of suit that she was wearing at the far, start of the first episode. And uh, you see her wearing all like, the, like, the promo pictures, and she's got a bag of stuff. So she says to somebody in the elevator, Hey, can I tell you a secret? I'm working with an Avenger. <laughs> yeah that looks like a, that looks like it could be a fun bit for whenever it is but yeah I mean it's mad to think we're halfway through it already mm-hmm. yeah uh, and it's going to be kind of sad when it, when it does finish but I'm interested to see uh, where they go if like again if this is meant to be like Jeremy and I being phased out in favour of like Kate Bishop and uh I wonder if I'm um, interested to see if they set up where Kate Bishop will appear next. If there'll be another series of this, just be more focused on her than Clint, or is she going to be in a crossover to one of the upcoming films? So, so more more figure. And we've talked about before mentioning Black Widow. Uh, Florence Pugh is still meant to appear, but I have a feeling she'll be like a, a end of towards the end of the series appearance, like when uh, some of the I can never remember Dormalaji, I think they're called to for Black Panther showed up towards the end of Falcon Winter Soldier because they were looking for Zemo. Yeah, it could be something like that. Um, I'd be interested to see how she fits into all of this as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the 22nd, the 22nd of December would be the last uh, episode, Aaron. So right before Christmas, we're going to get the final episode and we'll see if he, if he makes it home for Christmas because of then a week later, the same day, uh, a week later, we've got bloody Book of Both at starting. So, how we're going to get the, the review of the finale and then the first episode of Boba Fett out is uh, an issue for future Scott and Carl. Yeah, uh, it's going to be an action packed Christmas for the pudding, ain't easy for <laughs> sure. Absolutely. But if you got anything else you want to say about this, or you good to go to the the, the uh, 
kind of ratings for us because for me, like a lot of the notes are kind of more condensed because while so much is happening, like I said, the action, everything that the like action scene, like kind of blends into one, and it does take up a lot of the episode while it is fun to watch. Yeah, no, uh, I am pretty much got through my notes now. As I say, a lot of it was more or that, more on the sort of action scenes. That's probably why I, I wrote so much was to keep up with all the different arrows and and that they were fired. So uh, yeah, I'm I'm going to give this uh, a nine out of ten. I really enjoyed this episode. I, I definitely I, I'd agree with you. Right, it's it's easily I think the best one so far because it was hard to try and find our individual rating for the two episodes that came before because they both kind of flowed in each other. But uh, it does feel like as I said before, each episode is improving upon the next one. Yeah, definitely, and um, it's it's in danger of overtaking Loki as my favourite Marvel series. Uh, I think I'm, I think at some point in the new, I'm going to try and review it back like what I think is the best line of the new series because part of me thinks maybe my opinion on uh, on Loki was maybe skewed by recency bias for having watched it back a second time because I think it was really good on rewatch. But part of me thought maybe maybe it is one division. Maybe I prefer one division a bit more, but. This might overtake one division for me, this show. So I'm gonna have to end up watching them all back if I can find them for the eight hours of the day. Yeah. <laughs> see, see what you've done, Disney. You've you've infected my brain in my spare time. Yeah, yeah, you're ruining our lives. Damn it! <laughs> it's probably just as well they do it weekly because I'll probably just sit. I'll probably just sit here all night watching one after one after the other to find out what happens next. Mm. I know. I think, I think finally having a show where we can just do all like all the, like the guessing and everything, like what's going to happen next for rough time and ages is still a good thing. Yeah, it is as well. Cause as you say, as we've said before, it's the first time we've actually watched it in real time rather than as it's already been out last so it's it's really cool not knowing what really not knowing what's happening and not being able to to sort of catch up so um yeah lots still lots to to take place in three episodes uh, it, it, you're starting to wonder how they're going to cram everything in mm-hmm. yeah I, i'm more wondering how we're going to cram everything in to be honest with you uh, well, we'll find a we'll find a way. <laughs> we shall find a way. Uh, so, Scott, are you ready for your plugs? Uh, I am. As I've got a more calm down, Pete's dog sitting next to me, where he's trying, he's trying to lick my hand. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, Scott McLeod, nineteen eighty-six. Make sure find out everything going on here with us. Uh, Rogan Pines, if you want to find out what's happening with Team Godfather here. Uh, at point in, in easy where we can get you can find the stuff being tweeted out and updates on the shows that we're involved in outside of this or just rogue opinions in general at rogue underscore opinions uh, on twitter uh, on my other show it's got on paul's ram podcast at sp rambling you can find me and Carl, you can find me and paul doing a, a new kind of mini series as part of our uh, kind of from the vault retro review series called uh, titles politics and pish which is a three-part series, which which has started with Survivor Series '91. They'll go into this Tuesday in Texas, and then the Royal Rumble '1992 to see the unique progression of that title and just basically 
classic examples of Hulk Hogan being a prick. <laughs> uh, uh, and as we go into December, we're going to have some impact and phrase-related content as well. Over here, uh, SmackDown's been a bit delayed, but here in Rogue Events, you can find No Rogues Bard, uh, where I interviewed Daniel Campbell of ESSR, uh, talking about stuff he gets involved in there, including a show called Quiz Showdown. He helps produce such a YouTube monthly kind of quiz show. Speaking of which, the latest quiz showdown, which will go on the ASR YouTube channel on the 19th of December, will be hosted by me, a Christmas slash wrestling quiz titled uh, Christmas Ain't Easy. It's also the <laughs> 17th quiz showdown we've done, so of course we've titled it Quiz Showdown X7, meaning it'll be the greatest quiz showdown, and nobody can argue against that, because it's got X7 in the title. Uh, and also if you're... Feel like feel like I need to make a cameo on that. Means it's uh, Christmas ain't easy. <laughs> we we can we can negotiate elsewhere. Uh, <laughs> but you can also on ASR if you're looking for stuff to watch amongst a lot of other stuff they do. They do preview shows, look back shows, everything. Uh, but I recently did an interview for them. That you should check out. This is about me. Uh, I did an interview with Adam Bevelo of the Attitude Era podcast. I had a chat with him. Uh, mostly the first 10 minutes are all about Kane because we're both massive Kane fans so if you're not into Kane I'd skip the first 10 minutes <laughs> but yeah in between that I'm trying to find room to finish my bloody Christmas shopping before the shops truly get mental by doing as much of it online as possible oh good luck with that you've still got another um, just over two weeks so plenty of yeah. time that is but yeah, that's uh, that's that's me in terms of the the plugs. I had a busy week last week. Uh, I've got some stuff. That I'm I'm trying to like me and Paul are trying to record as much stuff as close proximity as possible, so that uh, I don't have to keep tracing back and forth in between other stuff I'm doing. So me and him can pre-record a bunch of shit through December. Best way to do it. Best way to do it. Mm-hmm. What about you, Carl? Oh, you can find me as always at uh, Carlos um, underscore fire eighty on Twitter and Instagram. You can find us on uh, Rogue underscore Opinions on Twitter and Instagram. Make sure to check out um, My Buffy the Vampire Pod. We haven't done a new one yet, but you can go back and check out our pod on reviewing the first two episodes of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, if you so wish. Uh, There's another episode of Guns and Devils as me and Liam talk uh, Manchester United versus Arsenal. And... um, Man United's new interim coach Ralph Rangnick so a uh, lot's going on there and um, make up, make sure to check out um, our website uh, rogueopinions20.wordpress.com where I've recently uploaded a new article on the last final race of the Formula 1 season where Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton will go into the final race level pegging and a winner takes a winner takes all um, race for the for the championship in Abu Dubai so it can't get much if you're into your F1 and racing you can't get much more exciting than that and uh, yeah, that's about all I've got going on for now. Very nice. Carl, Carl will have all the time to finish his shopping in well. Uh, 
I'll be racing them all. I've no, I've no finished buying, buying X and that. And you're like, oh, I did it all while you were recording all those forty million podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, as with podcasting, Christmas shopping ain't easy. I could remember everything inside of me just wanted to fit in I was never one for pretenders and everything I tried to be just wouldn't settle in